Welcome back, everyone, to Season 3 of the Kelly Mental Health Podcast, where we discuss a variety of topics surrounding mental health. In this season, we will be joined by incredible guests from all around the world and pillars of our community to discuss real topics and situations they have faced and how they dealt with it. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to uh, Season 3, Episode 6. Um, again, time flies when you're having fun. Today, we are joined with the lovely Linda Kelly, and uh, we're going to be kind of switching, switching roles today, I guess, and Linda's going to be asking me some questions. Um, we recently put out, um, we, we put out a lot of incredible content, um, you know, self-help content um, through the Kelly Mental Health Foundation, and so uh, particularly an article that um, I actually wrote in, and Linda helped, helped me awesomely edit it <laughs> so um i'm really excited to talk about it today because i think a lot of people go through this and i think you know we don't really know what we're going through so um you know what like when it's happening so we're going to start this off and linda will take it away all right so yeah i wanted to talk to you about this obviously it's sometimes different uh mediums are easier for people to uh kind of catch on to the the point of what we're trying to say and some people are article readers and some people are podcast people and some people are youtube video people and <laughs> whatever I, you yeah. know the point really is that uh you wrote an article recently that was very personal and very vulnerable and it's about something that a lot of people uh they dread ever having to go through and mm -hmm. that was about the loss of your mother mm -hmm. So following her loss as well, you also talk about this period of time in your life where you lost yourself and so you and you kind of fled life as it was. And given that it was it was so compelling, I thought it might be helpful for people to sort of explore that with you if you're okay with that. Yeah, um, I wrote the article actually recently. Um, unfortunately, my sister-in-law uh, just lost her mother to a battle of cancer um, after mm. three years. And so I was spending a lot of time with her and we were going through, I guess it kind of brought up a lot of um, emotions for me just because I don't think, I mean, at the time I didn't really deal with my mom's passing, right? Cause it was just go, go, go. We had so much to do and there was just so much going on. It was a, you know, COVID free life. So, um, you know, we were, we had a lot of appointments. We had to meet with the lawyers. There was a lot of stuff happening and it fell on, um, myself and my brother. Um, she did have a power of attorney and she, you know, she helped out and, and, and it was just a difficult time. So, you know, with our family's loss and then this kind of taking place, I, I left their house and I came home and it like flew out of me. I, I, I'm really grateful that it, cause it felt that I was almost like it was a healing kind of um, night for me and I felt like I got a weight lifted off my shoulders and um, yeah that's kind of how that happened mm -hmm. and again I want to I just want to clarify too because obviously you know a lot of people I've, I've got a lot of great feedback from this article um, but it's just that's my it's my truth it's it's my story and not everyone is is you know is felt the exact same thing that I did at that time and so I just it's just mine if that makes sense <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so, and it makes sense that for a lot of people, they tend, there usually are newer events that tend to trigger them. Uh, and then they start to process what they had been kind of stuffing away. And uh, for a lot of people that are 
tasked with the, you know, dealing with after a loss, you know, dealing with all the, the details and the, you know, even the burial or decisions to be made, like you don't have the ability to, you know, unpack everything. You got to suck it up and keep it together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people too, like, and I, and I, I talked about it in the article, you know, at the time I was trying to comp- like compartmentalize everything that was happening and mm. I didn't really know I didn't know and I couldn't recognize my emotions at that time because I was just so sad and so angry. Um, you know, I, I, I am a graduated, I graduated from the social worker program, um, social service worker program, like here locally in Thunder Bay. And that obviously helped. I learned a lot about myself in that program as well, but not as much as I've learned in the last year working for, you know, Kelly mental health. Um, so I've definitely, I've definitely changed as a person and I can feel that and I, I can recognize that. Um, so mm-hmm. it was more of the article, the purpose of it. Yes, I told my story, but it was to really just try and get out the message that help is okay. And, you know, it doesn't always have to be, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm broken and I need to go see a therapist. It's not that. And I don't want people to think that. You can go talk to people just to talk it out and to make you realize you know, what you're feeling. And sometimes it just sparks even on these podcasts between, you know, myself and you, and we've had Kelly on here and, um, you know, Kelly Hallinan from, from, you know, Kelly mental health. And so we, it just, sometimes it just kind of comes up. So Mm -hmm. therapy is good. (laughs) (laughs) And you definitely don't need to be broken to go to therapy. I I encourage therapy through every step of life because it's just that impartial uh, ability to, you know, make connections, build insight about what you're going through and often hearing from someone that probably has a background and information to give you. So, you know, let's back it up a little bit. And if you could just kind of give us a rundown of, of this was 10 years ago now, right? Yeah, it's coming up on our 10 year anniversary, which is also something I didn't even realize until I was started writing it. Um, and yeah, so 10 years ago, um, I should start it actually off by saying that I did lose my father as well. Um, I was nine at the time. And so I really didn't understand life or anything. I was very young. Um, so I, I really do turn to when I write articles and when I talk about grief and stuff like that in my experience, I do use my mom as an example because I was still young. Um, I was 18 when she was diagnosed, but the fact of the matter is I had to become a parent. And I think that, you know, pushed me to grow up so much faster. Um, it was, it was very fast how that happened. So, um, yeah, so my mom passed away 10 years ago. Um, she passed away from pancreatic cancer. They gave her two months to live. She did two years. It was a roller coaster ride for two years. I gave up my entire life, basically. I dropped out of school. I quit my job. Um, or I went on a leave for my job, basically. And I became her primary caregiver um, alongside of the... Some, we ha- she wanted to stay home. That was always her goal. Um, but she, you know, as anyone knows, for people that are going through... Um, you know, battling cancer, you are in and out of the hospital a lot of times. My mom called them tune-ups. So she had to go into the hospital for some tune-ups. She was denied chemo, but we, we had an interesting oncologist. She, thankfully, um, she no longer practices in Ontario. And um, so she never gave us 
the real answer is she didn't help us. And so my brother and I started, you know, living at the hospital, basically doing a ton of research. We reached out and we found a doctor in Hamilton, Ontario, that could and was willing to do the WIPA procedure after sending all of her information um, to them. For anyone that doesn't know what a WIPA procedure is, you basically, they, it's a 50-50 chance that you survive this procedure. Um, so it's very rare. I think five people, my mom being one of them in Canada, have, have gone through this procedure. Um, but it's, it's hard with pancreatic cancer. You need your pancreas to live. And so it all depends on where the, where the cancer is in your pancreas Mm. that depends on the surgery. Um, so we sent her to Hamilton. Um, she did the procedure. She wasn't even supposed to be out of bed and walking after two weeks. The second, two days later, she was sitting up and out of her bed and sending me pictures with my brother with her thumb up. Like she was very strong. (laughs) Um, so yeah, it was a very interesting experience. Um, but obviously, you know, she uh, end of the day she passed away, and it was just a really difficult situation for you know not only myself but for my entire family. I just think, you know, she was kind of the glue that kind of held us together. So um, everything that I was going through was, I just I didn't understand. I was angry at the oncologist. I was angry. You know, we're, we're Catholic, um, so I was angry at God for doing this, for taking away my parent. Um, I was angry at the world. I was just angry in general. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand my emotions. I didn't understand how to communicate that properly. I was, you know, lashing out. I was letting everything build up in me, and I was losing my crap, basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> on everyone. I was negative. I became very, you know unbearable to be around basically um I talked about in the article I you know started drinking you know drinking heavily I gave up a lot of my friendships um you know during that because I couldn't go out you know which was fine but I started you know drinking when I could and and I was dabbling in drugs and so it was just it was just a difficult time mm-hmm. And you, you mentioned, uh, just, I just wanted to highlight that piece of you had gone to school, uh, you know, for social services, like you, you understood a lot of the sort of the psychology of what you were going through or what were going to go through. But then that actually kind of, it, it sort of misinformed you, it seems like, because you, then you didn't realize that, okay, I do need help. Like it was almost, it was almost like, okay, yeah, I've got the manual for this, but it wasn't working. Well, yeah. So for me, it was a pride thing um, because, you know, I learned I was learning so much about at the time before before I dropped out. Um, you know, I was learning about uh, CBT and like, you know, co- you know, like the cognitive behavioral therapy. And I, we were talking, I think I was in my second or it was my first year, but my second semester. And so we were talking about, you know, counseling and and everything like that. So one, I, I thought I knew how to handle it. And two, I also didn't want to go see a therapist or a social worker because I already knew how they were going to treat me. And so for me, it was it came down to pride and I just refused. And and I felt in my excuse at the time was I didn't have time. Mm. Um, You know, my, my brother, you know, for example, my brother, his he had a getaway and how he handled my mom's, you know, his anger and, and my mom's passing um, and even her being sick, he would go to the gym. That was his getaway. And so for myself, I didn't give myself that. I didn't like, that was a part of his self care and how he took care of himself. Um, but I didn't do that. So I was there with her 24 hours a day. Um, 
I, yeah, I, I was barely sleeping. I was not my best self. Um, it was, it was very difficult. So then we found out, um, that we could get some overnight help through, it was through Bayshore. Um, we had incredible nurses, um, that actually helped in, uh, my dad back in the day. So they knew our family, they were coming in. So then that kind of alleviated, I could, you know, have a couple naps during the day mm. when they were there. Cause I felt safe. Um, but yeah, it was basically a roller coaster ride and I was not taking care of myself and I regret it. Right. <laughs> Just so much to handle. And obviously you were taking on a lot of responsibility, um, you know, mm -hmm. sort of sparing everyone else from having to, having to get too involved. Right. Yeah. I think that's like, and I think maybe, I, I, I mean, I was there when my mom found out um, and she was officially diagnosed and, I mean, her and I always had a really good relationship, um, but she was my best friend, but we became even closer. And so she would tell me things and, and I, I just knew. And so I, I just knew that I knew better almost. So, I mean, we had some family members, you know, they would come up, um, her, her siblings, and they would take her out for, you know, a morning cigarette and, you know, they would be gone for the day. And so it would be like, this is when she was in the hospital. And then, you know, it would be falling on myself for, for the rest of the day. And it was just difficult. That's how they were able to handle the situation. And I respect them for it. But I mean, at the time I was a kid and, you know, myself and my brother needed a little bit more help. Um, I think so. It was definitely an interesting time. My aunt, who I always talk about, she was incredible. She was there there uh, for us. And uh, I'm very grateful to have her for sure, because I don't know where I'd be without her right now. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. And, and it's so important to have that support. Even, uh, you know, I think a lot of people in your same situation, they have such a hard time asking for anything, right? It's like, okay, I'm I'm trying to help everyone else get through this. I, you know, just suck it up. I can get through it. But uh, you, even for family members that might be sort of not external, but maybe more separated from a situation like this. I, I always try to encourage people to, uh, you know, help the people closest to the, mm -hmm. to the loss or the impending loss uh, because they're not going to know how to, how to ask for help. And, and one of the worst things I've found that you can do for people. And I don't know if, if you know that, if, or if you felt that this was true is people might ask you what you need and you're like, mm -hmm. I don't know, nothing. Right. But yeah. if they're, oh, yeah, that's what right? I, but if they're able yeah. to just, you know, drop off some food for you or do something for you without asking, that's so much more effective. Yeah. And I think that's like, don't get me wrong. So my mom worked at um, our, our airport and the staff there was incredible. Um, and I will not, I will always, always thank them because they, they were amazing. Um, they were always checking in, like, you know, in, like in on her, they were dropping by stuff. We did not go without food. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> and I'm very, you can you can tell still, <laughs> you know, with me. <laughs> so um, it was, it was, it was good. Um, you know, in that sense, people came together. There was, there was a mountain of people, you know, when, we wanted, we didn't know exactly like, so in order for us to get her for like, get her to, uh, sent to Hamilton, we needed to find out exactly where her cancer was in her pancreas. So, um, they, we didn't have a PET scanner here in Thunder Bay at the time. 
And um, for those of you that don't know what a PET scanner is, it's basically a full body scan and it shows, um, I think you're injected, bear with me, people, doctors and nurses that are listening, please bear with me. But um, I think you're injected with, with you know, a specific dye and you're, it's a full body scan and it tells you basically exactly, it shows you exactly where the cancer is. It's a more in-depth look. And so um, we found the closest one that my brother found um, was in Duluth. And um, so we needed to fly her there and that became, but we didn't, we didn't have the money. My mom was a single mom. And so we held a fundraiser and we raised money to, um, you know, or at Scuttlebutts actually, which we had an amazing turnout. People really came through for that. And so we did, we had a mountain of support when it came for, you know, came for her, but that was the other thing. So, you know, there I am taking care of my mom. And then now I have to do this fundraiser. <laughs> and so, you know, the stress of that and her siblings helped out, which I, I appreciated that, but I, they just, I needed them to help out in, in a specific area. And even when they did ask exactly how you mentioned, um, you know, like when people were asking, Oh, do you need anything? I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, sometimes I was, I was completely burnt out and, um, I didn't realize it at the time until much later um, what burnout was. And I think I, I now looking back at it, I was suffering from two different, I mean, it's fairly similar, but at two different kinds of burnout all at once. <laughs> so, you know, I had care, you know, the caregiver burnout and I was just mentally, physically drained and exhausted and I was running on fumes. And then I go back to school and I was the smart kid who went back because I wanted to help oncology patients. So I did my uh, placement at uh, the Tamarack House, which is located in the building next to um, the regional. Mm -hmm. So I got to deal with, you know, oncology patients. And that was the worst thing I could have done for myself because I was not ready. I went back to school after four months after my mom passed away. Um, it was way too soon. And so then there was me again, still burnt out, but I made that promise to my mom. And then I suffered from more burnout because <laughs> I didn't take care of myself. And, um, yeah, it was an interesting time in my life. I didn't know if I was coming or going most of the days. So, mm -hmm. well, absolutely. And it's, you know, remarkable. You're still able to, you were still able to hold it together, you know, throughout all of that. Honestly, <laughs> yes, not well. <laughs> I mean, obviously I, I hear you say there's, there's periods of burnout, there's periods of sort of breakdown, but you still did what you had to do. And that's a, that's a huge thing. Um, now, kind of going back to, you know, a lot of people just dread the idea, the thought they know, I mean, generally, if life goes the way it's supposed to, that children are supposed to outlive their parents. But mm -hmm. once you, you realize you were confronting the idea of losing your parents, what did that do for you in terms of your, your identity, your role as a person? Oh, boy. Um, it's... You know, I, again, I so I lost my dad at a younger age, and thankfully I had my mom. And, I mean, there was things that I could talk about, and I have talked about in the past, about, you know, the difficulty of, of you know, my childhood and stuff like that with her as well. Like, um, But to find out that I was losing her, it was, it was the hardest thing ever. I was, you know, so young, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know. Like, we, I was just scared. I was so scared. Um you're basically living, you know, day to day and you're keeping busy because you have so much stuff to do. And I don't even think I, I honestly don't remember laughing with it like for two years. Yeah. And it's, 
And it's funny because I look back at it now and I still laugh at this moment because my mom, my mom had passed away in my arms at, you know, at, at, at our home. And, um, I had a, I, I, my bedroom was in a loft, um, upstairs. And so I had like a spiral staircase, but there was like a platform. Um, mm. and so after she passed, um, and the nurses, you know, cleaned her up and, and everything and they were with her, I, I left the room and my brother and I sat underneath that, like underneath my stairs and we just started laughing like out of nowhere, hysterically laughing. And Michael like looked at me and he said, you know, like, what, so what are we going to do tonight? And I, I still think back because we were just so busy and so overexhausted and tired. And it was just, you know, anyone who knows when and anyone is, is battling an illness and it's just touch and go every day. You know, especially for the last year, it was, oh, she may be going today. Oh, no, she's good. Oh, she may be going today. Oh, no, she's great. Mm-hmm. So, you know, finally realizing that, you know, we lost her. I think it was just, we were just, I was scared. I was numb. I I really didn't understand or f- know how to feel anything at that point in time. So, I mean, losing anyone, like any loved one is very, very difficult. And so... Being without a parent, being that young, it was it was scary, um, you know, uh, at any age, obviously, losing a parent is difficult. But I feel like when you're a little bit younger, you just don't know, you know, how to how to deal with it properly. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't have those, you know, those coping skills. And if I wasn't in social work, thankfully, I had, you know, a few I learned a few. But if I wasn't there, I don't know what I, I would have done at that time, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and then you went through this period of sort of retreating and um, you, you, you described it as losing yourself. So uh, you, you were getting into the, the drinking, the partying, things like that. And it sounds like that was really ultimately an escape as opposed to, you know, something that it was something that felt not like you, right? Yeah, like I was always a social person. Um, I always have been. I call myself now the social butterfly on these podcasts. And uh, just because I, as everyone knows, I talk way too much. But, you know, at that time, I was, I just didn't know, I couldn't recognize my emotions. I didn't have those like skills and coping mechanisms that I needed to function properly, I felt like so and I didn't want to deal with it. I missed her. I was broken. Um, I felt broken. And I, so what I did is I numbed myself, you know, I went, I started, I saw my friends again, finally, after two years, and we were drinking and we were partying harder than we should have. And, you know, I remember we decided, and it was still one of the best times of my life, but we were in a bar one night and we were like, we should go to Winnipeg. And next thing you know, we woke up in Winnipeg and it was, we were doing crazy stuff and don't get me wrong. It was a fun trip, (laughs) but it was out of character for me. You know, I, I was doing things and it wasn't to get attention. I was just numbing myself because I didn't want to, you know, face the facts and and deal with reality. So, um, yeah, it was definitely unfortunate because I wish I would have handled like, you know, I, I stated in the article, I wish I knew, you know, knew uh, then what I know now, because I would have been able to, you know, address, my grief properly because I didn't. And I think a lot of people go through that. Um, That's something that I'm even talking to my sister-in-law about a lot right now is just, you know, your emotions are valid and you can, you're supposed to feel them. You know, she, she's, 
just broken and she's upset and she's having a really hard time right now with, you know, the loss of her mom and she can't, she's struggling right now because she doesn't have it. There's like no substance. Like she's, she's lost. That's how she feels. Um, and she can't, you know, see or talk to her. And of course, like that's the, one of the most difficult things. Right. So, um, myself and my aunt, we registered a star in her name, in her mom's name. Um, it's actually her birthday today too. And so we did it for today. Um, and we gifted it to her. And so at least she has something that, you know, at night she can look up and she needed that. And so, I mean, everyone kind of handles things differently. Right. So that's how it worked. And that's how we, like myself and, and my sister-in-law both felt. So we had those very similar, like, you know, similar emotions and feelings towards this. So so we do know for the most part that people go through very similar stages of grief. Uh, the, the actual stages of, of grief have been mostly debunked, but the idea still exists. And so it's interesting sometimes to hear how people will process it, particularly people that are in different positions in terms of, uh, you know, responsibility and closeness to the loss. Mm-hmm. Um, the people that are the closest, like I said, tend to, bottle because they have to, mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of people, they're really stuck and uh, they just got to do what they got to do. You know, don't cry around the kids, don't upset anybody mm-hmm. and then sort of try to grieve in private. But by the time they even get to be on their own, it's, it's almost like you, it, sometimes it feels like you've stuffed it too far down and you just can't, or you don't want to go there. Yeah. I compartmentalize it, but I did not do it properly. <laughs> That's for sure. That's what do you mean? I can, I can admit, well, I mean, I was just masking it. And that's, I even stated in the, when I said that I felt bad and which is funny because this is the new world now, but I said, you know, no, no pun intended, but I really did. I masked everything that I was feeling and you know what I was going through because I didn't want to deal with it direct, like directly. I, I didn't, I didn't want to deal with, you know, that pain and that loss. And so, you know, I think by doing that, I changed like her, like you asked me before, you know, um, about how this, you know, affected me. And so now I think about it and it's just like this, like her passing has impacted my relationships. Um, it has, you know, affected like me as a person and who I am. Um, and I, I even wrote about in the article, I discussed, you know, about the, about people coming up to me and saying, you know, how strong you were. And we've discussed this on a few other podcasts and stuff, but telling a, I got it a lot more too when I was younger, when my dad passed, but, you know, hearing that over and over again, I felt like I wasn't allowed to show vulnerability. And so I would cry, you know, to myself, but when I was, you know, around friends or strangers or people and they were offering their condolences and everything, and we were chit-chatting, I would never show that side of myself because Hmm. I was, I had to be so strong. Um, So that's kind of what, that's how I interpreted you know these these things that people were saying to me at the time and I was so angry so I didn't interpret it it properly um it so I felt anyways so um it's definitely made an impact in in my life and who I am as a person for sure so You, you know it's funny that you say that because the cliche things that people tend to say during situations that are challenging it's it's only when you've gone through them that you realize how annoying those things are yeah that's the thing. And we, t- and we talk about that quite a bit. Like, I mean, we just did the episode not too long ago and it was like, we were talking about people saying like, you're dead to me and stuff like that. Yeah. And 
the things that people say, like, it's true. Like, you know, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And so, and I, and it's funny because I sit there and I think about that specific quote and it's like, well, these people were saying nice things to me. Um, but in my, where I was at mentally, I couldn't understand them properly. And I was, so I, I just handled it so like I said, if I, if I knew now or knew then what I knew now, like things would have been so different. Um, that's for sure. So it definitely changed as, as a person, um, you know. And how would you say that you found your way back? And I, it's funny because I wrote in the article and I, and when I posted it on my personal, you know, Facebook page, I said like, this is not a paid ad. <laughs> like, I don't, I, I, I spoke about Kelly mental health specifically because um, you know, I, I've learned so much in the last year, but even when I look at, you know, even say the last 10 years of my life, um, moving to Calgary was one of the best decisions I ever made. Um, I'm a firm believer of that. I, I moved, I ran whatever, however I want to call it. Um, but I really learned who I, I was as a person. I remember when I woke up on my 25th birthday and I was like, I love myself. Like, and it took me a long time to say that to myself. Um, so, I mean, that was a pretty big eye opener for me. Um, and then I think I, I kind of lost my way a little bit um, after my, I had a car accident. Um, it was a pretty severe car accident in Calgary. Um, and I was hit from behind and I was hospitalized. I had grade three whiplash. I was basically in and out of the hospital for a long time. And then it brought me back to Thunder Bay and I got a, you know, I had a great career at, at um, a local place in town and I loved my job. And then I was wrongfully terminated. <laughs> so that was another loss. So again, I was still having a hard time. I still suffered, you know, a traumatic loss and a job loss can be a traumatic loss. If, you know, if, in my opinion, um, it totally can, because I was heartbroken. Um, and then I found Kelly mental health and, you know, I remember still like you and I, you know, discussing, we, we went out and we had coffee and we talked and I felt so comfortable and I supported Kelly mental health before I got involved with you guys. I would always share, I would like, you know, your posts and everything like that. I would look forward to seeing it. Kelly mental health really did specifically. And I specifically talk about Kelly mental health because it helped me. And then, you know, now being able to almost a year um, later, next month is my year, which is crazy because time flies when you're having fun. COVID. <laughs> COVID time. I know. COVID, yeah. Um, so I think just everything I've learned, you know, and especially from you, Linda, like, you know, with these podcasts, you've taught me so much and we get to kind of talk and, and I, I truly believe that we do get to help people um, through many, you know, walks of life. Um, and, you know, with the content I get to research and create and, you know, with your guidance and all the therapists that I've talked to, um, you know, about specific situations, I didn't know a lot about, you know, PTSD. And I have a family member that I started recognizing some signs and symptoms that, that is now seeing uh, a counselor, um, you know, so I think it's just been, it's been life changing for me. And 
yeah, I'm not going to get emotional, so I'm not going <laughs> to continue, but well, um, I yeah. do really appreciate it. So, well, I'm glad to hear that. And yes, I have told people, no, we're not forcing her to share this on her personal page. <laughs> we're not mining her life for details, but <laughs> at the same no. time, I think we, uh, there's a few of us that are particularly open about our personal histories and the reasons why uh, we are passionate about being in this field. And, and I, I as well have learned so much just from being part of this field, from being mm-hmm. you know, given the opportunities to uh, get to understand my clients and what they go through, the way that they think. And, uh, it, you know, it is life changing and I'm always learning. And it's not just because I have a short memory. It's <laughs> I am always learning something new about myself or something about life and learning how to apply that and then also passing on that wisdom. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we were we were having a conversation about, you know, relationships and how to use the wind technique. And yeah, and, <laughs> and I was being told off yesterday because, well, if I try that, this is what he's going to say, blah, blah, blah. And so. They've already got like a, you know, prepared response, which is not helpful. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. for another episode um, <laughs> when they've calmed down. <laughs> I think um, I think something too I really want to stress before we tie everything up here is that, you know, counseling in general and therapy, which which we both kind of said at the very beginning, is not just for people that feel that they're broken. Um, it, it has truly changed, changed my life. Um, and I'm not even, so just to specify, I'm not counseling through Kelly mental health. That would be a huge conflict of interest. Um, but the skills and the coping mechanisms that I have learned through this organization has, you know, made me honestly a better person and I've learned so much about myself. And so I also want to celebrate for a second that exactly what you said, that, we are a group of people that will bring this kind of stuff to the table because we want to help others. And I think that that is so special that we can sit here and discuss, you know, things and situations um, that we've gone through in all of our lives to try and help as many people as we can. Um, You don't find that a lot. And I think a lot of the times too, even for myself, I never wanted to, you know, go to counseling because I didn't want them to look down on me or to judge me or, you know, to be in a full blown suit and to, you know, like I I was just scared. And so I wanted to, the reason behind the article is to try and push more people to, you know, talk and open up. And if you're feeling these emotions and and you're going through stuff, it's okay to talk to others, get that unbiased opinion and to reach out for help. It's okay to need help. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and like I said, I do, I thank everyone from Kelly Mental Health. You guys have truly changed my life and I'm very grateful for, you know, working for this organization and I plan on never leaving because I learn something new every day. (laughs) And uh, yeah, we just make a good team and I just, I love us. So, and thank you, Linda, for giving me the opportunity to to talk more about this. It's always good. Um, My voice, you guys heard, I was kind of uh, crackly and a little nervous and I think cause, just because I'm coming, I used to be able to talk about this 100% and with with no emotion. And like I said, the 10-year kind of has hit me differently. So um, I thank you guys for listening to, to me being so vulnerable because it's not easy sometimes to talk about this stuff. So I appreciate you being open and sharing. It's not, like you said, not an easy thing to talk about. Is that your final thought for today? 
That is my final thought for today. I've never done a final thought. That was fun. (laughs) Um, Yes. So as always, um, you guys can reach out to Kelly Mental Health. You can call us uh, here locally in Thunder Bay at 807-767-3888. You can visit our website at www.kellymentalhealth.com. There's tons of... um, content on there we have instagram we have facebook you we're basically everywhere we're youtube um you can listen to us as well not only on anchor but your favorite um podcast platform to uh to hear our other amazing incredible episodes so thank you guys again and thank you linda for giving me this opportunity and we will talk to you guys next week thanks